We're live. The Bitcoin Yo. panel. Yeah, the Bitcoin panel. We stream live every Friday and we hang out with awesome Bitcoiners and we talk shop. I prepared a bunch of stories. I prepared a lot of stuff, but I'm not going to be able to show anything because I'm having serious browser issues. So, so if you're a, a new Bitcoiner, welcome. Definitely put your questions in the chat. And I'm completely frazzled, Nick. So, and Tatum. Tatum, welcome. Nick, welcome. AC is joining us soon. So, so how are you guys feeling? Good. Bullish as ever. I'm continually, I I suffer from a disease called, uh, I can't get any more bullish than I was yesterday, itis. And uh, that means that every day I somehow am more bullish than I was the day before. So, well, th this is the time, right? This is the, we're in the, th this is like the exciting time of Bitcoin. And I guess that's why a lot more people are, are into it. I mean, even our meeting last night, Nick, right? That was a pretty lit meeting. Yeah. There was what, almost 15 people, I think I counted. I know, in this people small kind of room. in and out. Yeah. And people couldn't even stop from talking within themselves. There's like three conversations going on at one time the whole time. That's what, that's one of the like, beautiful flaws of like bit devs Denver bit devs like well i'll be talking to someone before we actually start the program about you know something like uh, this last one i was talking to someone about uh new gen machine uh asic miners and zach was like all right we're gonna get started and i was like uh okay let me try to try to talk a little quieter because i still want to like finish my thought and then zach's like hey we got to wrap it up and then someone's over here you know teaching someone how to make a multi-sig wallet and i was like this is honestly awesome i love it that's awesome yeah i mean there's so much energy i'm, I'm not even going to try to do anything i'm trying to look at chat and stuff but all right we don't really need to talk about price action but let's let's talk about price for like a minute and get it over with and then we can move on so nick what do you what do you have to say about the price these days yeah that's a good question <laughs> i honestly i mean i hate to make predictions but we're not that far away realistically from the last all-time high i haven't been i think what we're at still 52 ish today i yep. haven't looked at price really um but I, that's a pretty strong support level from the last bull market. So I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if we like retrace back down over the weekend, but typically Monday we'll see kind of a lower price point and then kind of up from there. So I don't know that discussion we we're having last night about the ETF and I don't want to talk too much about that, but the um, simple fact that, it's gobbling up, well, whatever, two and a half times the issuance rate right now. So pretty bullish. Yeah, that was what I was going to bring up, honestly, was that like uh, the everyone talks about supply shock. And obviously you can see where the demand is higher than the supply right now. Uh, last week, there were just over 6,000 Bitcoins mined. But ETFs bought, I think, like 42,000 or something like that. And the actual, like, there, there's going to be, it, it's, it is going to be, grad, it, it's going to be a gradually and suddenly uh, thing, I think, is the, the actual supply shock. Like, we're witnessing supply shock right now. Like, I remember when the ETFs got approved, there, there, there was no confirmation or anything, but there were uh, rumors circulating that OGs were getting contacted by these trading desks asking to buy these coins for a premium. I don't know how I've, I've heard different percentages, like 5% premium or something like that. Um, and I think that they're aware they were well aware before the ETFs got approved that there was going to be a shortage. Now every Bitcoin has a price uh, and you know, everyone talks about never selling anything like that, but there are people and I'm not saying, you know, anyone here is going to sell or there's a certain price that I put my Bitcoin on, but uh, those Bitcoins will move at a certain price, which is how that price floor gets moved. And I think that we're uh, going, going into the having where the, the playing field is set. 
we're already demanding way more than the supply is issuing. And after block 840,000, it's going to get twice as hard to meet that demand. Um, and so I think that we're going to see it gradually until the halving. And then I think we're going to see that suddenly Omega candle. Um, not not necessarily at that exact block or anything like that. There's definitely going to be a lot of other factors that are going to be moving price around then. But I think that very shortly after the halving, faces will melt. Sorry, that was kind of a ramble, but... No, no, makes perfect sense. AC, can we hear you yet? Can you hear me now? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Back right. to the old shitty mic. So hopefully the audio is okay. Yep. You're good. Yeah, I think too. I'm I'm uh, I'm really psyched about the price, and I think we're setting up exactly what you said, Tatum. Every, literally everything you said, I agree with, and it, it's definitely exciting. Those poor people still waiting for 10k are you know cowering in a corner somewhere, right? <laughs> Just <laughs> I, I think I I have to respect the game of the 12k still in play, gang. Like. If that's the hill that you die on, awesome for your conviction. I'm sorry you have to die there, but um, you know, I gotta respect the game a little bit. Yeah. All right. So, other than price, what are you guys looking at this week? I know there's a bunch of layer two news, um, and I have some articles in play. But you guys have anything anything that grabbed you this week? Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in with one. You know, I saw Ella Huff post this morning. So yeah, Tatum. Um, she had her second week meeting over at Cornell in the Bitcoin Club, and I went through both of her slide decks for week one and week two. Absolute fire. I love what she's doing over there in Cornell. I think she's setting the model up uh, for other universities. I can't wait to see other universities adopting something similar, fully supporting you know, a Bitcoin club at the university run by students. And then I also, I mean, if there are any universities in my local area who are interested, I would love to help contribute if they're if they're interested. But I mean, she's open sourced it. I think it's absolute fire what she's doing over there in Cornell. Yeah, I was on a space with her earlier today and I she was going over kind of what they were talking about. And I was honestly shocked. Like she's going through history of money with them. Um, and she's just like she's miles ahead of anyone in her age. Like, I mean, I'm I'm pretty close to her age range as well. And I, I've wanted to uh, get some sort of Bitcoin club going at, at my alma mater. And it's been kind of difficult. Just like, it, it's been one of those things that kind of fell off a little bit because there just wasn't any traction or anything like that. And so I have to commend her like for actually doing it. She's achieved what a lot of people have been wanting to, and she's doing a insane job. Um, and we're actually, uh, I talked to her, uh, she said, we're going to be in touch about, um, I'm gonna be talking about mining at, at some point. Uh, and just seriously, Ella, if you're listening to this, I cannot lift my praises higher. You are doing insane work. Good job. Yeah, that, that's so cool. I just finished reading, uh, the Bitcoin standard, like a couple few weeks ago, and it goes over a lot of the history and understanding money and, I mean, I and I had been into Bitcoin for five years before I read that book, believe it or not, and still it hit me like a ton of bricks. It was like, dude, teaching like like you said, teaching at universities and just teaching the the fundamentals is so great because the the kids that young they're they'll absorb it a lot quicker, right? Like they can just see black and white. It's that simple, right? And they don't they don't have all the trash in their mind to. To, tr to trick them or all, they haven't received 30 years of propaganda from the media, right? And I also, you know, don't want to speculate or anything, but look at the price of Bitcoin in the past two weeks since she's started, uh, you know, those meetings. I'm not, you know, saying anything, but causation does not equal correlation, but I think the Ella might be uh, the driving factor behind the pump, you know? Yeah. So we had a great meeting last night. I just want to mention, and uh, Tatum, I think you're you're not too far from us. We're all we're all Coloradans here, I believe. So I didn't know that. I, I that this is awesome. I saw Nick's Colorado flag. I was talking to him, but yeah, I'm I'm in uh, I'm in Denver. I'm I'm the self proclaimed new king of Denver. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, your show between two A six is just effing hilarious dude thank you so thank much you. for doing your show really <laughs> thank you yeah we have a lot of stuff planned for 2024 and i can go into that later but uh yeah i'm excited nice. for it cool hey, very Tatum, cool uh 
so I met you virtually through um You're a pop alum, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and so I don't know if you wanna share uh your Twitter story with these guys in the audience. But I was dying when I heard that story, and I hope you agree to, to share that story. Wait, are you talking about how I got him on the show? Oh, no, on your birthday. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, do you mind, Chris, if I go into this? Okay, of so course, please. So, little behind me, I, I have a show called Between Two Asics. It is a 100% knockoff of Between Two Ferns by Zach Galifianakis. And I just have these awkward, silly interviews with Bitcoiners and prominent people in the space. And I thought when it started as an idea, like I was like, I'm not going to, you know, just go ease into this. I'm going to try to hit it head on. So I started Geyser Fund and uh, they were very helpful in getting me set up, really enjoyed the idea. And once I started getting some money incoming, I just started DMing every big account that I followed. Like, I mean, I was talking Sailor and uh, I I think I... (laughs) Dan held. Um, uh, and just like these several, several big accounts that, uh, people follow, uh, for their insights and no one responded to me. Uh, and then on my birthday two years ago, I, I just, I just tweet without thought really. Like that's how, that's how I do it. And somehow it's funny, but I tweeted and said, uh, at a Pompliano, don't you have something to tell me today? And to my surprise, dude dm'd me and said what do i have to tell you today and i was like okay what uh didn't expect this and i said it's my birthday and so then he responded to my tweet and said happy birthday man or something like that i was like that was weird and i dm'd him back i was like since i have you uh i sent you a media inquiry to on your site once you check that out he's like here just send it to my email and so i emailed him i mean I the, the first episode I scripted it out. I like sent him this like three or four paragraph message. He was like, "Oh yeah, I'm in." And I was like, "What the heck?" So I flew to Miami in in like a couple weeks time and I, I was like, "All right, so uh you ready to record?" He's like, "Yeah, by the way, I didn't read anything that you sent in the script or message or anything." I was like, "All right, this will be fun." And it actually ended up being pretty pretty entertaining. So, um it literally I I got where I was today off of a shit post basically on Twitter on my birthday. <laughs> That's tremendous. That's so, awesome. Wow. Right on. Yeah, I often I love think about approaching people like that and it's it's yeah, you have to do it in the moment and the way you're describing is that that's it. Just and, and I'm I'm trying to get into that. I tend to overthink, and I'm like, oh, oh, one hundred percent. My my thing too. I like I was like carefully formulating these messages and reading and rereading and editing, deleting and stuff. And and now like I'm realizing, like I I was like, let me see where where I'm at. Like Lynn Alden followed me, which was a crazy crazy thing to happen. And so I messaged her. I was like, hey, are you going to be at Pacific Bitcoin? Want to be on the show? And she's like. Yeah, let's do it. I was like, oh, I took years off of my life writing messages to people like you and, and overthinking. But yeah, it's really that simple. They are literally just people that just a lot of people like. So mm. so I wanted to bring up this idea. As the price keeps going up, the bull run continues over the next 18 months. We're going to have a lot of friends and family come and talk to us at this, you know, this is like, well, how do you buy Bitcoin or what, what does it really do? So is it going to be simply that this bull run? Or do you think also maybe some of these L2s and the Lightning Network and maybe even Noster, do you think people will get more involved in Noster, for instance, and, and different L2s and start sending sats to each other? Or do you think it, or, or you think we're still too early for that? Nick, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I do. Um, I think L2s in general. So Lightning Network, I know there's been a lot of development on. We had a little bit of discussion last night around LightSpark and what um, David Marcus is doing over there. I don't know if something like Fediments are ready for prime time yet. I mean, there's a lot of development work that's been done there. Um, And I would anticipate kind of by the end of this cycle, we'll see a lot more development on those. 
in the long run, I don't know if it's going to be feasible for every individual to have their own UTXO. I think we're still early in a lot of ways. So, sorry, what yeah. does having your own UTXO mean? I literally don't know what that means. So that it, means you you have your keys and you have your coins on the base layer. So something like a Fediment, and we're talking about eCash, it's a not a derivative, but it's a tokenized version of Bitcoin that's you're able to move through mints. And before um, before you go further, I want to clear mm-hmm. some FUD that like whenever I first heard that about eCash, like I was like, oh, just more opportunities for shitcoins on Bitcoin, but that's literally not the not the case whenever I've learned more about it. Yeah, no, and actually uh, we were talking earlier about you just finished reading the Bitcoin standard. I'm actually in the middle of reading the Genesis book and that's, or the, the, the Genesis, yeah, the Genesis book, I think is what, by Van Weirdham. And that's all history of the cypherpunk movement. Uh, Dave Chom with eCash and DigiCash and BitGold and the history of essentially where Bitcoin came from. And I mean, that was DigiCash was a startup founded by Chom in the 90s. And that's what Fediments are. That's what Federated eCash is. And so I think there's, I mean, scaling is going to come across in a lot of different ways. I think the base the base layer scaling, I mean, we went through the block size wars in 17, 18, um, and we saw how that ended up with Bcash, Btrash, and um, uh, BSV, and that whole <laughs> debacle. That's my so, favorite Bitcoin is SV. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding for the audience. <laughs> Craig Wright is a fraud. All right. Fake Toshi. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think the lightning is the one that actually I think is uh, the most well utilized at this point. But there's a lot of other options out there. I, Yeah, I, I'm not sure where I sit with LightSpark, though. That, that oh, whole I, situation. I actually wanted to, so on the, your point on lightning, I actually have, I have some very, uh, I see opinions on lightning. I am, uh, I call myself a pessimistic bull on lightning, um, because we do need lightning. There are other options for scaling, but unfortunately the way that everything has worked out, even in the past year, uh, where lightning is very widely known in the Bitcoin ecosystem, but there were the vulnerabilities that were found in it that were not as bad as people anticipated. Uh, but also uh, lightning is just kind of broken in general. It, it's, it's still very early in its, in its lifespan. And I, I love lightning. Well, I say, I say, I want to love lightning. I've run my own node for about two years. Channel management is huge. Uh, it, it's it's an actual like part time job essentially. If you want to self host your own node, your own instances of L and D or whatever instance uh, that you you decide to host, um, if you open up those channels, it's not as simple as like okay, let me just open a channel. Cool, I'm using Lightning. That's why custodial options were very attractive, and I still think that they are. Uh, but custodial options are custodial options, and um, you know, there's that risk, uh, it's similar to like Wallace Satoshi, they, uh, stopped their operations in us. Um, Albi, which I don't get me wrong. I love Wallace Satoshi. I love Albi, but Albi started putting, uh, limitations on certain transaction sizes because they want to promote self custody, which I, I do agree with. But if you want to use a custodial option, it, it's kind of difficult to find one. That's a very, very good trade-off um and the self the self-custodial options are very difficult to to learn and onboard and unfortunately they're now expensive because you still have to open that channel 
And if you don't, if you, especially if you haven't managed your UTXOs properly and you have just tons and tons and tons of inputs, that transaction to open a channel, just one channel is going to be humongous. And then, oh, you want to open multiple channels. And this is the last point. I'm sorry. I, I like rambling on this, but like, say that I run my own node and I want a well connected node. All right. So there's no routing issues or anything like that. Let me connect to Strike. Let me connect to Amboss. Let me connect to Wallet of Satoshi and uh, Albi. And those are four nodes that I can connect to. However, that centralizes my identity. It centralizes uh, fallbacks that could that could happen to ruin certain transactions. I could have things stuck for you know God knows how long. Okay, let me go with the other option. Let me find a group of you know tons of my friends who run their own lightning nodes because that's very common everyone just runs their own lightning node and i'll connect to them well you're getting a ton of microtransactions that cost a lot of fees too you probably i'm unfortunately i'm not trying to dig on anyone but you probably don't have 20 friends that have lightning nodes that they they host and three that is you're running into more uh bottlenecks with that many open channels to have a well-connected node than you would if you did the other one but then you have the pros and cons and it's a hard trade-off i i want to love lightning and i know that i will love lightning i wish that i could help on the development side i'm just not that technical but it's not where we need it to be when we need it the most mm. ac you have any thoughts on that yeah, yeah. So I, I completely agree with we are still at the infancy of lightning. But circling back to your question, I, I also find that that's the easiest way to get people a little bit of exposure to Bitcoin when they're starting off brand new. I mean, I've directed people over to Phoenix Wallet, Moon Wallet, Wallet of Satoshi uh, before it left the U.S. It's it's easy um, with Wallet of Satoshi now gone, I, I started talking to people about Phoenix and the downfall with Phoenix, although they implemented splicing into their solution, it is very expensive to um, create that initial channel. And then if people aren't managing the liquidity in their lightning wallet and they have another inbound, they're going to splice in and you're going to be like, what was that fee about? And so people um, it's easy to onboard people on a something like Phoenix. But really, it doesn't stop there. There's got to be an education piece for them to understand, hey, maybe I balance this and send it, you know, once it's 50% of uh, my liquidity in my Phoenix wallet, maybe I send it to another uh, Lightning wallet and then send it to cold storage. And that was something that I learned is I piled up um, some DCAs into my Phoenix wallet. And I was like, okay, now's the time. Let me send it over to cold storage not realizing that I had decreased my liquidity by the amount that I sent out into cold storage. So there's there's learning lessons for everybody. If you've been in the game for a while or if you haven't, it's like this constant study of the technology. And really that just highlights how early we are. I mean, all four of us are students at varying level and it doesn't mean that we stop now. It's one of those things that it's it's probably continual and forever as this, uh, this space continues to evolve and develop. So how... Does a company like Wallet of Satoshi do it then? If they if if I can just get an and I know we're no one no one's really using Wallet of Satoshi anymore, especially in the U.S. But I mean, is it easier for a big company to have bigger channels or something? Because as a user initially, I just signed up and I was able to use it, no problem, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's because they're 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 doing everything all the liquidity balancing the node management everything like that on the back end and just giving you an interface to use through their node um and i mean it's very easy to have a well-running lightning node if you have plenty of bitcoin to just like you know throw into channels and stuff um but sometimes it's it's a a, a fight between like what do i want to keep in what i know for a fact is like has a better history than lightning on-chain, you know, cold storage, and what do I want to, you know, play with for spending? And there's honestly kind of like, there's a point of how many sats you should have in Lightning as a minimum, uh, because it's, UTXOs will become unspendable at a certain period, and especially if you get force closed and you have no outbound uh, in that channel, that's just going to turn into an unspendable UTXO. So um, it if you really want a well-functioning lightning node, just buy a ton of Bitcoin and, uh, 
be prepared to spend a lot of time managing. Yeah, that makes sense. We need something like, remember that stupid thing years ago? It was like the ice bucket challenge where people would dump ice water on their head and then they would nominate three other people who had to dump, do the same thing. We need something like that for uh, for the Bitcoin space. <laughs> <laughs> like for, like a, I nominate, you know, Chris, Nick, and AC to run their own node or something like that. <laughs> yeah. No, actually, I was thinking like, you know, with sending Bitcoin to people. So it's like, oh, send... Send a thousand sats to three of your best friends, and then they can send whatever. And I don't know. I'll tell you what's good for that, Noster. Oh yep. yeah, layer three. Right, I was in Nashville uh, last fall, and they were saying that Lightning was layer two on Bitcoin, but Noster is layer three Bitcoin. And some people were like, "No, it's not layer three. And then, then I was like, "Well, is it? I don't know." <laughs> I think it's I think it's adjacent. Uh and and I know someone which who's working on a paper. I can't really talk too much about it, but um they they've actually kind of went with the thesis of there's no layers in Bitcoin. We call lightning layer 2 and other other things layers and stuff like that. It's almost like a tree if you really think about it. Um because there's there's definitions of a layer where some things fun like lightning 100% is a second layer like there's a parallel in inbound and outbound uh route right there that you you have to be on main chain to get into lightning and if you want to leave from lightning you have to go back to main chain that is a second layer but once you get to the other things that might be adjacent like bitcoin is, or sorry noster is like a a branch off of lightning in in a way don't take that out of context, please. But uh, it's using Lightning. It's built by Bitcoiners. It's a it's a relay communication system. Uh, and the same thing with eCash, where it's not even like a second layer above Lightning or anything like that. It's almost like a you need to have some sort of infrastructure behind it to function. Hmm. It's so early. All, all this stuff is even. Even being in Bitcoin for five years and being on Noster for actually about ten months. Who knows where it's going, right? I mean, we sort of know where it's going, but right, yeah. Noster, I'm I'm extremely bullish on Noster. Noster's awesome, but Noster has this. The relay issue in Noster is very similar. Well, I shouldn't say very similar. The issue with relays in Noster is somehow analogous to Lightning channels on the Lightning network because running, for instance, I bought a Start Nine server and. I started running my own Noster relay and I connected to it, but then for some reason it wouldn't save images. And I was like, well, that's dumb. Like that, that doesn't, what, what good is it really if it doesn't save images? And so then it's like, okay, everyone should run, the, run their own relay, but like, it's not easy that the heart, the, the tech isn't there yet. It's, you know what I mean? So same thing with lightning, right? They're I think the, di the main difference is that, it's easier to fix a relay issue in Noster than it is to fix a channel issue in Lightning because there's no yeah. capital allocation. Um, and the running your own relay, I definitely think that that's really cool and that it, if you can, definitely do it. But I also don't think that it's necessary. Uh, if you run your own relay, I like as as far as like a personal relay, that's usually just as a backup. If you want to run a relay for others to connect to then uh that's a whole different story but if say that you know i created tatum's relay for everyone to connect to and i'm like hey guys sorry i have to shut it down i'm just not able to maintain cost or whatever like that and it's like okay let me disconnect from tatum's relay and you know i i'll go connect another relay or you don't even have to connect another relay so it's I, I get what you're saying, but I think that it's easier to fix those problems in Nostra than it is on Lightning. Yeah, Lightning in general. So it's really difficult to explain to someone, hey, let me set you up with Phoenix Wallet and you're going to incur the fiat terms, a $20 fee to open up this channel so that I can send you $30 worth of fiat in Bitcoin. Like what? Why would I do this? I don't think that's and, a very good trade, in my opinion. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, I've I've 
operated a couple of implementations, both LND and CLN. And it is, it's akin to a part-time job. And when we had the fi- high fee environment due to shit coiners spamming the blockchain, we ended up with numerous force closes, um, mis, you know, misallocation, uh, you know, between, well, basically negotiation of fees between nodes. And you end up with like, why did this channel force close? Yeah, there's, a, there's it, and I'm still bullish on Lightning. I mean, I think it right now it is like the number one scaling solution that we've got. Uh, the alternatives right now, there just aren't many, you know, at least at scale. So, yeah, it's... And you're basically also building from the ground up a reputation that Lightning yep. sort of was starting to achieve, but it, like you said, it's still early in its lifespan. And, okay, let's, let's uh, push that to the side and try to, you know, start this other layer and make everyone accept that now. It's like, okay, where do we stop, guys? <laughs> right. And I think it, in some ways it's akin to the early stages of the Internet. You know, I mean, if you look at the Internet circa 1995 97 i mean a lot of it was not your average person was online Mm. you know and i think that's kind of where we're at right now with bitcoin layer twos a lot of the technological development like the 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 technology the base technology is there it's just there's a lot of room for development yeah, I, I think one of the analogies that uh, I hear quite a bit, and I, th- I think it's valid, is, you know, for, for folks that are older, um, either watching or in the room, you know, people might remember like uh, AOL versus any of the other, how do you get online applications and they didn't talk to each other. Or you take like a couple years after that, and we've got the Internet Browser War with Internet Explorer versus uh, Firefox and who remembers Netscape. I think we're kind of in that exact same time frame here within Bitcoin and layer twos. And, you know, it's different organizations, different individuals and devs who are innovating in the space, maybe not in the same direction, but all trying to accomplish the same goal. Yeah, Chris is actually going through the browser wars right now um, with his uh, <laughs> restream. Sorry, I just had to bring that up. I, I thought that, I saw an opportunity. I should have wore a freaking helmet today. My God. <laughs> no, thank you, Chris. So. I just just thought came to me. Michael Saylor is transitioning Mike, his company MicroStrategy into a Bitcoin development company. Do you think he's going to tackle issues like this Lightning? Like what? What if he created like ten thousand nodes and put enough liquidity in all of them, and that so then we could all just do that? Is that a silly idea? I remember there was a meme that was going around that was uh, saying like. Michael Saylor's never sent a lightning transaction in his life or something like that. And then he, he was like, I will post an invoice or something like that. And I don't even remember where it went, but I I don't really think that he, I don't think that he's going to be as focused on lightning as he is with in other infrastructure, which kind of sounds, it, it could end up being that lightning is the infrastructure that, um that they work on. Uh, however, I don't think that, I think that, what you suggest as far as him creating these large nodes or something like that, that's a possibility, but I also think that that's an attack vector. But I think that he is 100% going to pour into core devs and uh, these open source devs because, I mean, that's what his fortune is built on. Like these people who have been working essentially for, for free on open source software. And I think that I am bullish on them advancing that uh and and mainly the adoption as well um but i I definitely think that lightning is probably going to be at the uh kind of of afterthought in my opinion it's pure speculation yeah i mean there's there's a lot of other stuff that can be built uh for sure yeah it's like who knows it's like the future is this we're moving into this dark mist we don't know what's there Mm. i definitely want to see where they go because the, the i mean Sailor has been like he you see a lot of these people who work on building in different areas such as adoption in countries that need it 
I I can't remember his name, but there's a guy who has been trying to uh, successfully, uh, not trying, succeeding in sending Bitcoin over SMS for third world countries who don't have you know, even like smartphones or, or easy Internet access, things like that. Um, mining in uh, stranded energy areas, uh, lightning, stuff like that. And Sailor has been like, aside from just buying massive amounts of Bitcoin for his company, he's not been doing any of that. He's more of putting, I think that his kind of claim is that he's putting regular companies on a Bitcoin standard in an extreme way, don't get me wrong with, with MicroStrategy, but I think that if if anything, they're going to work on uh, integrating Bitcoin within mega corporations. MicroStrategy is not that far from being in the S&P 500. I just want to let y'all know that. No, didn't they just apply to get into the S&P, I think? Maybe. I think I thought I just heard that literally today or yesterday, but could be. But Michael Saylor is yeah. going to be like, – I remember there, there – sorry, there was an article that someone posted. Zero Hedge posted it. I think it was Wall Street Journal uh, made a post like a while back. It was like, Michael Saylor bet big on Bitcoin and lost. And now it's like, what? What was that again? You want to I rewrite just, that story a little bit? I just covered that in my video side by I, side. He bet big and lost. And also he steps down as CEO. Yeah. Oh, That's God, what they made what it look we, like. What are we – Bitcoin's done for. Nah, don't don't short Sailor, baby. And then right next to it was uh, MicroStrategy is now worth ten billion or something. It's like, it's yeah, just the fake news. What were you gonna say? Um, I think Nick. Well, oh no, I remember what I was gonna say. Yeah, I mean, because he did uh, what was it? MicroStrategy World. It was a conference a couple. It was a year ago, year and a half ago, and it was basically the attempt at. Uh, onboarding additional corporations onto, like you were saying, a Bitcoin standard. And I think moving forward, a lot of companies are looking at what do I do with this excess capital? Because if I'm sitting on cash, you know, inflation's just going to slowly eat this away. I mean, back to Sailor's analogy, the melting ice cube. So what are you going to do? You know, and I think a lot of corporations are waking up to that reality. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Chris, last week I said you asked this uh, similar question and I said, I hope he partners with Ego Death Capital. I still think I still hope that's true. So if anyone from Ego Death or Sailor, if you happen to be listening, get with those guys. Let's make something happen for the entire community. Number one. Number two, I was thinking about it again after the fact, and I think it would be even uh, equally as awesome if he started um, doing something similar to what Samson Mao was doing is, uh, I mean, he's done a phenomenal job of orange pilling the people. He's worked on orange pilling corporations. What we really need in the ecosystem is orange pilling nation states. And I, th I think he has the weight behind his name and he's a very influential person to be able to have those types of conversations not necessarily in the United States, because as the global reserve currency, we're probably going to be last to fully adopt Bitcoin. But I mean, in the global South, South America, Africa, Sub-Saharan Africa, parts of Asia, I think there's definitely opportunities where countries like that could adopt Bitcoin, uh, not necessarily as the only currency accepted, but side by side with their current currency. And I, I think that that's certainly an opportunity for a micro strategy and a Michael Saylor to tackle really big problem. Everyone thinks it's impossible. Very few people can do it. And I, I think he's one of those guys that could. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's our Babe Ruth, right? He's the slugger. And if there's anyone that's going to convince a country to get into Bitcoin, it would be him for sure. Yeah. I, and I would anticipate this cycle, additional nation state adoption as well. I mean, I think with what, Bukele's done in El Salvador. Yeah, it, that won't surprise me in the least. And I think what is a currently a trickle or a few drops is going to become a stream by the end of this this cycle. So At least that's all, my hope. I think all of you guys uh, have significant knowledge about mining. And I have a question because I, again... I have very little technical knowledge about Bitcoin, and I always thought, oh, I would love to get into mining. 
And then I looked at the price of miners and I was like, whoa. And I didn't even get to start looking at the cost of electricity in my area. And I, I didn't, I just, my research stopped. So as far as average people getting into mining, it's a two-part question. Is it realistic? Can I do it without buying a $25,000 miner? And then the other question is, in terms of timing, the halving's coming up in two months and, and then the reward gets cut in half. So is that the worst time to start mining? Like right near the halving? <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll spearhead this. This is my favorite topic to talk about. Oh, and I have please. some crazy predictions too. Unfortunately, right now, uh, as much as I want it to be this way, mining is not necessarily... It, it, it is... Plebs can do it, but the reasoning behind plebs mining has drastically shifted. It's now a... Uh, principle and conviction thing and honestly sometimes just kind of fun we're getting to the point with the bitcoin price where machines are machines that were in the graveyard are now turning profitable again but uh long term it's it's definitely not like a let me plug this computer in and make money and there's a lot of ifs ands or buts going into the having this is actually my first having in the mining industry and I, I, I'm optimistically worried because I think that the having might, there's a lot of factors that go into it, but I think that the having might mark an event where it might turn back into a pleb mining game again and to a degree, because I think that what's going to happen is like so, some of these public miners who are, their revenue is Bitcoin. It's going to be that function of their revenue is going to be cut in half. And it depends on how they've managed at risk. Are they going to simply just offload a few machines, uh, make the market a lot more liquid, dropping prices down? Are they going to capitulate, super liquid, liquidating the market uh, like we saw in the late 22? Or are they going to get greedy and start getting more miners because they need to make up for that lost revenue? And I think that there's going to be an array of different companies who uh, who might fall into all three of those options or even more options uh, that I didn't even cover. I do still think that everyone should mine at home, even if it's just, you know, not even like a, let me mine for passive income. Let me mine. Cause I have free power. Let me mine for heat, anything like that. I've always said like, what you should do is go on eBay and get a miner, whether it be like the first miner I got was an S seven. It is, I think seven terahash or something. I got three of them for 40 bucks. One of them didn't work. I didn't care. I wasn't trying to make money. I was just trying to see like, what is mining at the actual functional level? And through that, I started having more questions, digging into more resources. I mean, I was on finding myself on Bitcoin talk forums from years and years ago, looking at, at, at minor breakdowns and stuff like that. Um, and the next thing, you know, I'm looking at trying to, figure out how to get 240 volt power in my apartment. Um, and it, it's mining. Everyone should learn about mining and it's a very cheap way to learn too. like, honestly, you don't have to get an ASIC if you don't want to, but I would recommend you can get an old ASIC that is still, you know, relatively similar to you get the fundamentals. If you get it off of eBay broken working or not, whatever. Uh, and also an S nine, which is the tank of all tanks, uh, sitting right there still runs on 110 which is the uh, standard north american but oh, there you go i see that crypto cloaks uh space heater right back there um it's still 110 so you can run it in north america without any special electricity or anything like that and you can also that's a you can get one for like a hundred dollars max um but uh mining is super fun to learn about and I think that we're going to see, especially with Stratum V2 happening, uh, starting to be widely adopted, especially with pools similar to Ocean. I'm not promoting Ocean or anything like that. I'm promoting the idea of what they're doing to mining pools. With both of those combined, I think Bitcoin mining is going to start turning back into a pleb mining game, especially people who bought these S19s that have been unprofitable for so long. Those are about to be vindicated and become profitable again. Hmm. Anyone else? Yeah. Anyone else? <laughs> Sorry, I get giddy when I talk about mining. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I agree. Stuff. I think. Oh, go ahead, AC. 
No, I, I was just going to say I, I, I like listening to Tatum talk about mining because he's so passionate about it. Uh, two things for me um, regards to mining at home. Number one, uh, it's never a bad idea to have non-KYC sats. Um, and so the, one of the best ways that you know a pleb at home can do that is through mining at home. The other thing that I wanted to throw in is it doesn't have to be like a massive energy sink. It could be something that people pick up, you know, early on just to try a little bit of exposure um, through something like a nerd miner, which is a solo lottery miner or the new Bidax, the Bidax Hex. You know, there are options out there to dip your toe. It's not that expensive. I The Bidax um, I've got in my basement and it runs off of like 11 watts. So it's hardly anything. You're not going to see a bump on your electricity bill. And then the other one, too, is you have some deniability when some normie comes in and they're trying to confiscate your sats and they say, where did you get it from? And you show them this thing that looks like a miner and say, it's a miner. Who are they to argue with you? I mean, they're a fucking normie, right? Pardon my language. So just other things to think about. You don't have to jump in and say, hey, I'm buying an S21 and I'm you know, sucking down all this power. My electricity bill is three plus 300 per month. There are different options. It's just something that we've got to explore as a Bitcoin community. Yeah, and that was almost exactly what I was going to say is that the KYC factor as far as home mining or mining in general is huge. Um, I don't know in the near future. I, I do believe we are in the then they fight you stage. So anything that you can do to avert KYC, although I'm not going to lie, well, I've got KYC Bitcoin, That's a lot of it, right? That's probably um, all I have, unfortunately. Yeah. And then, I mean, I think moving forward too with just the general like nature of mining, decentralization of pools, I just started a role at SAS Mining and that's all, basically it's a software as a service or mining as a service, right? So you pay for the miner, you pay for... Uh, the install fee and the your monthly electricity usage, but they've got contracts with it's it's all renewables as well. So it, it's it's an interesting dynamic, and that's something I was just looking at prices. So for an S nineteen, it's around twenty two hundred dollars, right? Yeah, uh, and also it's not like out of the realm of like I mean. $2,200 isn't cheap, but you're getting KYC free sats. And also, like, it, I do want to point that out. Like, uh, you don't have to mine at home uh, for anyone listening. Like, you, you don't have to have 240 volt power and a, a black box or something. Like, there are hosting options out there. Several companies have started hosting. Um, and, and also, there are, there are several marketplaces as well that you can find uh, miners from other people selling them through verified services, not necessarily like eBay or something like that, but, uh, through, you know, Kaboom racks. Uh, I'm not sure if SAS mining offers anything like that. Compass mining, I know has uh, a marketplace. Um, I think that, uh, Luxor has started as, as well, but like some of those get down to sub $1,000 sometimes because it depends on who's selling them and why they're trying to sell it. Or are they trying to just get out because they don't want it. There's always psychopaths like me who's going to scoop them up. Um, and, and you don't have to worry about any of the infrastructure at your house. You just pay your monthly uh, hosting contract and uh, it's it you you still get that, that sweet, sweet KYC free sats. <laughs> well, I somehow feel, and this is complete hopium, I smoked a lot of hopium to come up with this idea, that someone's going to invent something and it's it'll be different than don't they have mixers and stuff you can send your bitcoin through and it coin whatever, joins whatever that i don't even know what that is but whatever that is they're going to come up with a much better and easier way to do it and so in the future i'll be able to or and many of us will be able to just do that easily but again that's hoping do you, do you think something like that will ever exist are you talking about well, like mixing or well yeah but but easier than that cuz doesn't mixing take a lot of time and it's not it does really well with the fees yeah it really depends especially with your utxo set yeah yeah um pay join is another option and i think a lot of wallets 
are starting to support that. And I was reading something because the way it obfuscates the transaction, the UTXO set, you don't know who the recipient was and the receiver were and what portion of the UTXO went where. Or like, you know, it went to this address, but you don't know who's associated with it. It breaks that. And it looks like a standard transaction. And if a few percent, I think it was like less than 10% of transactions are starting to be conducted using PayJoin, that kind of breaks a lot of uh, like coin analysis or chain analysis, like their heuristic. And that's all, it's heuristic BS, in my opinion, most of that. Um, so there are other options too. Uh, I think it's just knowledge and implementation. Yeah. Yeah, Chris, I was going to say um, since you've got a start nine, you should be able to run Whirlpool on there and do your own or set up a, a coin join mixer there. I, I, I agree. It's a little bit expensive. I've experimented with it in the past myself just to understand the process so I can be knowledgeable on it. And so the, the price uh, to do a coin join is expensive and it takes time while you're waiting in the queue for your next mix. I mean, typically when I, when I tried it out, I was going at like six or seven remixes before I would send it out to cold storage. And I agree. I think that there's probably... Um, a need for something like that, but there's also a danger associated with it as well. Um, you know, we've heard rumblings in the past. I haven't heard anything recently as far as, you know, particular merchants not accepting UTXOs that have a coin join history. So it's, it's a balancing act, right? Do you want to compromise, you know, your ability to spend it in the future while securing your privacy from the previous UTXO set? Um, but it, it's one of those that I think like we talked about before with lightning, it's still at its infancy and it's still very, very early days. It's important for us uh, as Bitcoiners to continue to learn. And then I, uh, similar to what Nick was talking about, there's also a way to do like a stonewall transaction. And that's where you combine two different UTXOs, then you have multiple outputs so that uh, it, it's it hides the sender and the receiver a little bit by mixing it up with the change. So something else just worth considering forward-looking privacy on UTXOs. And also I'd recommend to everyone, um, you know, if you, if you do have a KYC stack, maybe, maybe you only have a KYC stack. There's a lot of, I would venture to say that most everyone does have a, a KYC stack. You can definitely buy non-KYC, start a new wallet and call it your no KYC stack. And maybe you just, use that for no KYC and you continue to, you know, keep that a clean, clean wallet for just, you know, no KYC or anything like that. But, you know, do peer to peer. Like I, I remember I've done both sides. Uh, I, at bit devs, I actually, or no, this is a new Orleans Bitcoin meetup. Uh, I was in a hard stacking phase and I was like, look, I will cover uh, y'all's tab if uh, y'all send me Bitcoin for, you know, maybe a couple bips percent uh, premium or something like that. Or I called it like I rounded up to the thousand um, per coin. And uh, I mean, that's that's peer to peer. That's that's not no KYC right there. You also use no KYC exchanges. Then also you could be an idiot like me and go to Vegas with just a Bitcoin balance and not have any rules on gambling and be like, hey, I will sell someone some Bitcoin on the floor for some cash. Don't do that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, and actually, I want to foot stomp what, what Tatum said, too, is as you're managing your UTXOs, absolutely definitely have a label associated with every single one of them sparrow um, wallet sparrow wallet's great for that yeah I, i've mentioned sparrow wallet at the meetup but i think labels are are absolutely important uh down to every single utxo you want to be able to know where it came from or or if you're sending out where you're sending it out to and really if anybody listening is looking for some homework assignments is look at utx or uh UTXO management and coin control, that's going to lead you down the right path to be able to have good fidelity and confidence. Because if you think about it, five or 10 years from now, you're looking at a UTXO and you mixed KYC and non-KYC sats, you're not going to remember where that thing came from. So like Tatum said, 
multiple wallets, KYC, non-KYC, and label everything. And I would I would recommend Wicked uh, on on Twitter for UTXO help. He uh, I think it's W underscore S underscore Bitcoin. It's an apple with a mustache like mine. Um, but he has some insane. He, he has great infographs about a lot of different stuff that he creates and a lot of UTXO management um, tools and resources. Sorry, there's a truck back there. Uh, and also, I would recommend Sparrow Wallet as well. That's where I learned about UTXOs because they do a great job of visualizing UTXOs uh, from a standstill. They do a great visualization of a transaction as far as inputs and outputs. You can also select which UTXOs you want to send out and, and stuff like that. Absolutely amazing resources. Spare Wallet and then Wicked, the Apple on Twitter. Sweet. Yeah, and, and to pile on, pile on one more thing um, because I love Sparrow too. Uh, they you can integrate Whirlpool directly within Spar- Sparrow. So if you want to try yep. coin joins, it's built in. I mean, you, you almost can't lose with Sparrow. Great tool. I yeah, third I just, that. I use Sparrow. Yeah, I just used it too, I think, because I got a new uh, cold card Mark IV recently. I watched BTC Sessions video and he... Oh, his uh, Lord of the Rings saga linked uh, cold card MK4 stuff. We, we were talking about that yesterday. He, he, he got his... Uh, Q, his cold card Q, he's like, I think I might split it up into different videos this time. And I was like, yeah, I really hope you do because it was really hard. <laughs> well, I watched the one, I think he was with uh, Natalie Brunel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She set up her Mark for in real time. and Yeah, that was his went... redemption after uh, okay. wasting a lot of people's time. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, BGC, really? <laughs> Sessions, BGC Sessions is a great uh, resource for education like that. And yeah. also one more thing on Sparrow is they are very easily integrated with uh, most every signing device that you can that you can have. And it, it also teaches you how signing devices actually work because your cold card, for anyone listening, sorry to shock you, there's no Bitcoin on that cold card. It is literally a car key to your car that only you know how to use, it's not, you know, it, it, if I take your yeah. cold card, I'm not getting any Bitcoin, but. Right. Man, did I just give a free plug to Sparrow or what? Come on. <laughs> Sparrow. This show brought to you by. Okay. So we're getting down. We're pretty much out of time, but I want to know from each of you, what are you most psyched about in the Bitcoin space currently? Is it. Is it the price? Is it the tech? Is it the financial freedom aspect? Uh, do you, is it the the political implications of just absolutely crushing fiat? What 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 are you psyched about? Um, who wants to start? I'll I'll jump in first. Uh, the biggest thing. So I'll say it like this: I joined the Bitcoin community and became a Bitcoiner for number go up, and then I hit my first bear market, and it was brutal. Everybody who's been through a bear market understands that. What kept me in the game was the community and the people. I think it's awesome that we're all together right now, live streaming, having different stories, similar stories about a a journey and a path down the rabbit hole. And so for me, what keeps me in the game probably the most is the community and the people in everywhere. I mean, I met a whole bunch of people at Bitblock Boom last year. I thought it was phenomenal. I was connected with Tatum. Uh, through the alumni group. And then Nick, I randomly found on LinkedIn. And here we are all together right now. So I'm most psyched about the community, the communication and everybody kind of rallying together for for different causes. Yeah, um, I'll jump in. Uh, On top of um, AC's point, my favorite saying is, uh, I came to get rich and I stayed to get even. Love that. Um, <laughs> but uh, I mean, that's essentially I, I was like, oh, yeah, this number keeps going up. I'll get in. And now I'm like, I want to overthrow government. Um, not really. That was a joke for, for everyone. All right. Uh, allegedly. Maybe, allegedly. Um, no, I'm, I'm bullish on I'm bullish on Africa for various reasons. One, the innovation coming out of Africa and also going into Africa to help African nations in, you know, what is economic turmoil is insane. There are African Bitcoiners who are building for their communities. There are non-African Bitcoiners who are building for African African nations to use. Um, uh, and also mining as well with within Africa, uh, because I, I recorded an episode of Between Two Nodes, which is the longer form, more serious version of my show with Adam O of Upstream Data. And we talked about this, but the reason that a lot of people 
the reason that people don't understand why Africa, African nations aren't very advanced. And that's because they have a lot of resources taken away from them because they cannot consume them because their, their power source, usually diesel generators, which is the worst way and least efficient way to power things. And even if you were to rely on diesel generation, they do it in a way that they have to, like every house has a diesel generator, essentially. It's not like a mass, you know, we get our power from this system, anything like that. The government also does not care to help or anything like that. What's happening with mining is that there are there are several resources in these African nations that are untapped because they can't consume it. So Bitcoin miners are going in and they're consuming the excess and then boom, everyone has power then. It, it sounds crazy. It's like, oh, I thought they took a lot of power. How are they delivering power? Well, the resources are now able to be allocated. And guess what? On top of that, they're getting exposure to Bitcoin as well because they're the, – Look at African nations and their history of money specifically. You can look at the dollar and see how that fell from the gold standard, and then how we, you know, uh, you can look at the history of money for, uh, you know, developed nations with, you know, just how things have progressed. If you look at the African, they're, they're unfortunately because of their governmental structure, they are stuck so far behind, even as far as currency, and Bitcoin is there. They just can't access it until now, and mining is literally bringing it to African nations. So I'm bullish on Africa all around. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah, I'm bullish on, well, as number goes up, freedom goes up too. I mean, and that's just kind of the reality of it. Uh, in a lot of ways, Bitcoin is FU money. Like there's no centralized authority to dictate monetary policy over Bitcoin. It's Bitcoin is Bitcoin. Um, and so I think, yeah, that's what I'm most bullish on. And as I think, you know, we're watching in a lot of ways, the failure of fiat, um, whether it's in Africa, whether it's in developed the West world, Western world, um, we're, I think in a lot of ways in for a shit storm here over the next few years. And that's where I think something like Bitcoin is really going to shine. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, I the the one thing, well, one of the things I love about Bitcoin is that it's and I got this from the book, The Bitcoin Standard. He says when you have sound money, the the society flourishes. Like it's it's a solid foundation you can build society on. And what we have right now are these absolutely demonic cartel cartels that disguise themselves as governments just stealing and raping everything we own and everything we're earning. And so I really look forward to a society that's built on a stable foundation and that'll be able to flourish. And it's going to also reward the people who have been paying attention and who see what's going on and they're not so brainwashed, right? We're all brainwashed to some degree. But some people are just, you know, NPCs, right? Just pure zombies. And, okay, so they're not going to buy Bitcoin until 2037. And that's what they're going to deserve. But people who are paying attention and who want a better life and who are open to the signals from around them, we've all sort of said, yeah, there's something special about this Bitcoin thing. And so I'm looking forward to the flourishing, even on a personal level. Like I, one of my dreams in life was to have a big retreat center out in nature for meditation. Because my wife and I meditate, we love meditation. And I want to have a, I want to have like a lot of acreage. I don't want 10 acres. I want like 2,500 acres. Like, and I want it to be a really good meditation center where people can come and take two weeks away from their life and just relax and meditate and all that. And who knows, maybe... And, and I never knew how that was going to come to fruition. Maybe Bitcoin will help me do that. So, I mean, fix the money, fix the world is it, like, I love the saying because as time goes on, you realize how, how much that actually is true. Totally. So, yeah, number go up is good too. So, all right, let's, uh, 
you guys get your plugs in. What are you up to? Where can people find you? AC, let's start with you. Yeah, so I'm on Noster and Twitter, but truth be told, I'm more of a lurker, not too active there. And then people can also find me on LinkedIn. Thanks. Right, I'll have link. There'll be links below too. So yeah, uh, Nick. How yeah, about I'm on. I'm on Noster. I'm no longer on Twitter or X. I, have, I applaud you. <laughs> so. That's where you can find. There's me. a debate there, though. Uh, maybe, maybe next week we'll talk about that. Whether you should be on Twitter or not, I think the answer differs for different people. But anyway, Tatum, yeah. uh, Nostra Twitter, Tatum Turnup, uh, and also YouTube, Tatum Turnup. I'm Tatum Turnup on literally everything. Subscribe, follow. I make funny content and also serious content. So, yeah. So great. This has been outstanding. Thank you all for, for coming and uh, sharing so much wisdom. Uh, I This is so much fun once we got through the technical stuff. And, uh, and, and in the future, we'll be able to show stuff on the screen. And oh, my God, what a fun. No, it, hey, you, you made it work. And I, I appreciate <laughs> you bringing us on. It, it, was, it was fun. It was fun. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, thanks again. And we'll be back next week. Until then, any parting words? Sacrifice Stack convenience. Sats. Until then, you're not free. That's it. Let's stack sets. Stack sets. Stay humble.